What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, a surprising bit of good news on the injury front for the Buffalo Sabres as Casey Middlestat returned to practice for the team in a non-contact setting. However, this is very, very good news for this team. Middlestat, as we all know, has been out the majority of the year with various injury concerns. Most recently, he had come back after about a month and a half or two month stint uh, without playing, came back for a period, looked off, and then immediately left the game after the first period. So, well, there were some serious concerns there that he maybe tweaked something, made something worse, wasn't ready to come back in general. But either way, good to see him back on the ice. Yeah, for sure. We've been talking about that a lot, that he had such a nice finish last year. And he finally seemed to have uh, the proper endurance and his feet under him and an understanding of the speed of the game and a coach who seemed to understand him. And so there's a nice finish and then you get to this year and wow, maybe he could get some time as number one center, you know, some, some sink or swim time. And then, you know, boom, he's out first game of the year. One of the many mystery illnesses on this team, not well, mystery ailments, I should say, not illness that, Oh, he's day to day, week to week. Actually he's out for like two full months and then he's out again. And he's supposed to talk to a specialist. Well, that's not great. It is good that he's skating. So the second half of the year, that'd be great. If he could become, you know, back in a couple of weeks, he can get a solid uh, two months to close out the season under his belt, which would be nice. Get some time in the top six. Yeah, that'd be very good. And I mean, worth mentioning as well that UPL is also practicing again, which would likely land him in Rochester and would, I guess, <laughs> would eliminate the need for Aaron Dell. <laughs> um just from like then, society you mean or well you, you can never be too careful so Vinny Henestroza was practicing yesterday but now wasn't practicing is that is that what's going on here yeah I believe that is the the latest um he was evaluated after leaving practice yesterday and according to the Sabres his lower body injury did not worsen well that's great yeah, but so, I mean, the big ones are UPL. If, and, if all of our, like, trade deadline pieces could just, like, stop getting hurt, that would just be phenomenal, you know? Yeah, because – so the, the trade deadline is weirdly late this year. So the day you're listening to this is Thursday, February 10th, probably, the day it came out, this episode, uh, is the day of the NBA trade deadline. And the NBA and NHL used to have pretty parallel seasons. The NHL trade deadline isn't for, like, oh, my God, what, six more weeks almost? Yuck. A month? It's, it's, I don't know. It's very late because of, uh, I guess partially because the season is set up differently, but still, I mean, wow. I, it, it's just so weird to me that it's so far apart from the NBA's trade deadline. I don't really it understand it at all. Weird. Yeah. Well, anyway, I guess what's, uh, something to, uh, look forward to here though, is what's going to happen with, you know, Colin Miller, what's going to happen with, uh, Hinnestroza that's all really going to depend on if those guys are playing. Like, I don't think, well, Miller could potentially fetch like a second and Mike Weber got a third. You never know. You never know in this league. Right-handed defenseman. But he has to be healthy. And Henestroza, even if he is healthy, who knows if anyone even wants him. I'm sure you'll probably get somebody looking to pick him up for a depth piece, but I mean, it's definitely disappointing. You know, he really came here kind of in a, on a prove it deal one-year contract and you know you would think just given some of his background that he was maybe ready to take a step like if you're going to give him a legitimate top six role that maybe this is a guy that could end up being you know on a 20 goal pace or something like that you flip him at the deadline get something back in return never was going to be like a first or anything crazy like that but maybe you get like you know him and another piece gets you like a b-level prospect or something along those lines but even still really has not worked out as the Sabres probably have planned it would. He has been a bit underwhelming, hasn't really been able to finish as much as they probably would have liked him to, but hopefully he could get back on the ice soon and he'll have a a good bit of runway here before the trade deadline to try and up his value. And you could find a desperate team that maybe is in need of some winger depth. Yeah, hopefully. Is there anyone else anyone wants? Someone I was thinking of. Cody Eakin, baby. No. Uh, Is it possible that anyone wants... Victor Olofsson. I think that that's part with him. 
I think that's an off-season move, and I think it's one that they definitely should make. I think you and I both had talked about it at length this past summer, and even honestly, it was into last season, you know, down the stretch that we were talking about it, that, you know, early on this year, we had saw that he had really drastically improved his five-on-five play, and now it's just like he's that went away, I guess, you know, some of the the shine of him looking better early on in the season is worn off as he has really just not been able to produce for them. However, I still do think that when you're talking about his value, if you could get him going again soon, and you know, he has a good end of the rest of the year, maybe somebody out there is like, all right, well, we have a 24, 25 year old guy who has the capability of being a 30 goal scorer and a lethal threat on a first power play unit for a winning team what can this get us? And I think that that's an, that's an avenue that the Sabres absolutely need to explore. First and foremost, I think they need to get him back going. I think that they need to get him producing again. That needs to happen first because I would much rather you hang on to him through the rest of the season, hope and put him in positions where his value is maybe going to be able to increase. And then that way, this coming off season, you're well positioned then to move him and get far more in terms of your return than you would if you tried to just force something at the deadline here. Um, now, all that's to say, again, you don't know what could be on the table for him at the deadline. And if there's a team out there that looks at him and says, oh, well, he's on Buffalo. So, you know, this is the guy we think we can get still, um, you know, that's one thing. But I think the scenario that makes the most sense, ride it out the rest of the year, put him in positions to succeed hope that he gets to turn it back on on the power play and we start to see him scoring again. And then in the offseason, you look to make a move there. Um, and I think that that just brings a, a much bigger, or uh, leads to a much bigger question here. And I'm curious for your thoughts, Taylor, like do they know what they want to be next year yet? Well, I, I look at next year as them playing a decent number of, young guys, but young guys that they care about the future of. So like looking at next year, I think they want Paterka, Quinn, Krebs all in the lineup opening night and same with power and Samuelson and maybe even Ryan Johnson. We'll see with him. I don't know. But like, I think that's a year where you, you try to play all those guys. Now, as far as free agency or trades go, I don't know. We talked about this with Kevin about them not doing anything uh, like huge or drastic. You know what I mean? Like anything Mm -hmm. crazy, but like, are they going to do anything in the intermediate area? Like an right. Olsen trade could be that, but also like, what if you, I think they have an extra second this year, right? Cause of the hall trade, don't they? Yes. Or was that last year? And they have three of them next year. I'm pretty sure. So like flipping a second or two seconds for like an NHL ready, like youngish guy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or like, what are they going to do in net? They're not going to, I mean, maybe they have UPL and someone else, but they're not going to have, they're not going to have any of the guys from this year besides UPL and they're not going to have like Portillo or Levi up. So that's another move they have to make. So I think their goal next year should be to have an intermediate year between let's say this year, there are, they seem to be on track for low seventies points wise, mm-hmm. not good, but it is what it is. And then they, if they want to be a playoff team in 2024, they're going to have to be in the mid nineties. So a year in between somewhere they you have to show serious improvement and in fact you probably have to show that you're a better team than they've had since 2012 right right if you want to show actually i mean there's a couple years where they had like 81 82 those would be decent goals but like you want to maybe get into the mid 80s show maybe surprise some people show that you're a decent team the way like the rangers showed last year or the red wings are showing this year right that's jump like 40 points i think that's a great point i feel like they probably are going to be not very aggressive in free agency or trades. I mean, who knows? We'll see if they end up trying to move one of the the ones that they have this year, but it really does kind of feel like next year is going to be a continuation of this year, except more of the older guys are going to be gone and they're going to make way for the younger guys to come through. So, you know, you're going to just hope to see for one, the guys who are currently here, like cousins, middle staff, probably Darlene, um, you know, these younger guys are going to be ready to take an additional step, but then next year you're putting Quinn, Krebs, Paterka, Power, Samuelson, like you said, maybe Ryan Johnson, even Johnson, probably more likely is going to have a year to bake in, in the AHL, but maybe Laxanen comes up or something like that. And you kind of give them this opportunity, which is what all these younger guys and like Tage too, that like these younger guys have this year, but you're giving it to them next year. And then 
see if the guys, uh, again, the, the Tages, the Darlene's, the middle stats, the cousins, they're ready to maybe take another step next year while these young guys are all kind of getting their NHL legs under them. And then by that point, like we're saying here, it's, it's 2023, 2024, like you are, are ready to go. Not only are you going to have all these guys that we're mentioning, but again, we're talking about a probable top 10 pick this year. Those typically only take about a year or so to, to be ready. Beyond that, you're looking at guys, best case scenario, high teens, worst case scenarios in the 20s, which still that probably only puts you about a year or two out from having those guys ready. And then again, if you're bad next year, also you're looking at another really deep draft coming up. So it feels like maybe, yeah, they are positioning themselves for that 2020, 2023, 2024 season where, you know, like you said, very correctly, maybe next year is like, all right, let's see if we can hit like 85 points with this team. You know, they're going to have to do something in goal that's going to be able to drastically help. I mean, UPL is going to be there because seemingly they're going to want to get Levi ready in Rochester and give him a year, um, probably more for him to, you know, really get up to speed with the AHL level. So you're going to have UPL for one, and then you're going to have to go out and get a capable starter for next year, unless you want to just kind of do what you did this year. Again, where you get two, you know, nobody's no offense to Craig Anderson or Dustin Tokarski, but at this stage of the game, nobody's get one of them to pair up with UPL. And that's what you roll with in like a one, a one B situation next year. Um, But yeah, I'm with you. It doesn't feel like they're really going to try and be good they're going to just keep saying that they're focusing on development and allow themselves to, I guess, be as good as the young guys are going to drag them to be. Yeah, that, that does kind of make sense. And there are a lot of like, I guess, variables here. Like who do they draft? If they draft the seventh overall pick, if that's mm-hmm. their pick, which that doesn't feel very likely, but that guy's going to need a year and probably two years. Uh, maybe, maybe just one, who knows? But like, if they draft Shane, Wright. Maybe he's up next year, not just up, but contributing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does Dylan Cousins look like next year? Like, uh, does Tage like take a step back, or does he get even better and continue to grow? Like, what is Middlestat? What is his deal going to be? Like, right. if they get someone in a trade for Olafson, all those variables that like uh, kind of d- determine how the lineup will look. But their goal probably is pretty similar. And I guess you don't go into a season being like, I want eighty-five points. But if you end up there next year, you probably you can't be too mad about it. Right. I don't think so at all. I mean, just given where they're at right now, I think that you'd probably, you'd take 85 and run with it given where they're going to end up being this year. Yeah. Which I'm fine with, you know, like that's the thing is like, it's, it's not easy, but I think it's not easy for any of us to be like, all right, another year we can do this of just being horrible. And I understand anybody who doesn't have that kind of patience. I mean, I don't, I know you don't, it's, it sucks, but what I will say though, and as we have been saying is that it finally feels like they are on a realistic track for how they feel or where they feel they should be. Um, And and what's going to eventually end up allowing them to be competitive and like legitimately sustainably competitive. So it's going to be really interesting to see, but I think that, you know, as we're talking about the young guys, this kind of leads into a good segue for what the second half of this show is going to be about, which was the Sabres ranking first and Scott Wheeler of the athletics prospect rankings that he does every year um well before we get to this oh yeah let's hear from our our friends for the last time for this ad read our friends at DraftKings talking about the super bowl the moment we've been waiting for since september is finally here in honor of the big game DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of super bowl 56 is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Football Contest uh, for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at $1 million in top prizes with their deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. 
Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible, responsible gambling resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN red line at 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. There we go. All right. Are you happy that we don't have to read that one anymore? I am. Let's move on to, I assume, will be a either UFC one or college basketball or kind of a generic one. Okay, okay. Since we well, will not have any, any baseball ones forthcoming. But we'll talk about that later because first got to talk about how the Sabres, for the first time in seven years, are back on top of the prospect pool rankings. There uh, we go. Hooray. We're back, everybody, just as we all were hoping for so this actually is pretty, pretty legit, I would say. I rightfully think that the Sabres were ranked number one. Obviously, when you're talking about ranking league-wide prospect systems, you know, a lot of the ones that come to mind were the, those that ended up being in the top five, being Los Angeles, Minnesota, um, the, the Devils, and Anaheim rounded out the top five. But yes, the Sabres were number one, and I think very, very rightfully so. When you look at especially the top of their prospect pool right now, for those who are considered prospects still, um, it, it makes a ton of sense. For one, you probably have the best position player and goalie in NCAA hockey right now and Owen Power and Devin Levi. You probably have the second best goalie in college hockey right now and Eric Portillo. On top of that, Peyton Krebs, Jack Quinn and JJ Paterka, of course, have all have, have elevated the Sabres prospect system to the top of the ranks. So to kind of just go through for some of the key guys and some of the top guys that really got the Sabres to the number one spot. Let's start off with Owen Power, which again, we're talking about a guy that is pretty much dominating at every level, wherever he plays. I'm really excited to see what he's going to end up doing in the Olympics, seemingly playing in a first pairing role for team Canada, but talking about how he's doing right now in Michigan. I mean, it's been completely dominant. He is projecting out to be in all situations, true number one defenseman. And he has a big body with a six, six frame. He also has exceptional skating ability, elite vision and passing ability, especially on breakouts. His stick handling is above average. He has a great shot on him. I mean, this is everything that you are looking for in uh, in a true number one defenseman it, it's seemingly what we have in Owen power and I think I could speak on behalf of all Sabres fans when I say he cannot get here soon enough because I am really really excited to see what he's going to turn out to be going back to the draft you and I both I believe were in agreement that we wanted them to go forward whether it was Matty Beniers or William Eklund I think that both of those guys are going to end up being really really solid quality top six forwards but now having a little bit of hindsight and a little bit of time behind us and really seeing the steps that power is taking. I'm, I'm really happy with the pick and I'm glad that they ended up taking him. And I think that he's going to end up being for lack of a better way of putting it. I think he's going to end up being the guy that we all were hoping that Rasmus Dahlin was going to end up being when we took him first overall, because there's a lot of risk involved when you take a defenseman first overall, hell, there's a lot of risk involved when you take a defenseman in the top three historically, as we've seen, but especially first overall. Um, But I mean, this guy has passed every test that Sabres fans, scouts, fans of the league in general could have, could have possibly given to him. And I think that, while next year he may not be playing in a first pairing role for them, obviously, because you're going to want to ease him in. Maybe you start him off getting around 20 minutes a night as compared to putting him in those first pairing minutes. I I think we're going to see very quickly why they drafted him because I think a lot of like the skills that he has right now and the things that set him apart from your typical run of the mill, first round defenseman are going to really shine in his game early on and are going to translate really well to the NHL level. Yes. So 
the question is though, when do we see him though? As you mentioned before, do we see him in April or do we have to wait until October? I'm going to say we'll see him in April. Honestly, I would not be surprised. Maybe they end up doing, I believe they did this with metal stat where they signed him after his season was complete, get a couple games up and then you send him down for the playoff push in Rochester to try and go get a Calder cup. That's interesting. I actually, I could, I couldn't tell you what position Rochester's in right now in the playoff race. I think they're uh, second but, in their division. Oh, okay. So that's good. So the difference is this year though, is the NHL schedule is still all say frigged up <laughs> from COVID True. Uh, for many years now. So the frozen four championships so the last game he could play would be the 26. Now it's perfectly reasonable that Michigan could be in that game. I believe they won last year. Uh, and they're extremely good and talented. So that's definitely possible. That gives them still like a whole month because the NHL season doesn't end until almost May this year. So that's that'll give him plenty of time in April if he so chooses. And the Sabres want to see him here in, in Buffalo to play a quite a few games and then go to Rochester, as you mentioned, uh, directly after that. That's That seems like the, the ideal thing. And like I pretty much agree with everything you said. Like I really wanted a forward because I trust forwards more. And generally, I still think that, but power, he's looking more and more like a number one defenseman, like uh, one of these guys that can do it all. Like he has the size, he has the strength, speed, vision. I don't know about speed, but, you know, like vision, uh, offensive ability. He's someone that, you know, you'd have to, if you really want to uh, trust a guy that you draft number one overall to live up to their billing, it's uh, it's really incumbent upon them to be able to play in both the power play and penalty kill. And those are skills that you're showing. So that's huge. And as, as I'm told, there were other people on this list as well. But what, what's interesting to me is uh, Scott Wheeler from The Athletic who made the list says that they have the best top five. So it's not just their depth. Well, and let's get to the rest of the top five because I completely agree. Like it, it, it is far and away. So coming in at number two, unsurprisingly, maybe a little bit surprisingly, Wheeler had said that he went back and forth between Krebs and and Jack Quinn, but we have Peyton Krebs coming in at number two. Um, of course, as we all know, the centerpiece of the Jack Eichel trade, Peyton Krebs has taken a little bit to really catch a stride to just be up to speed, I guess, at the NHL level. But man, when he has been on, he has been on. And I think that the thing that makes me feel really good about him as just as a prospect in general is that even though we could still see he's putting together, you know, a lot of his game right now, he has key pieces that make me think that he will end up being able to figure it out and being, you know, a perennial 50 to 60 point guy. Krebs isn't going to be a point per game player, but we don't really need him to be, you know, he can, he has the ability to either play on the wing or at center, but he could drive a line. He has really, when we go back to what I was saying before about having skills that make me feel as though he's going to make it his, his skating. I mean, we've talked about it a ton on here. He is an exceptional skater, both in terms of his breakaway speed, his edge work and, and how he ab is able to, to use that in conjunction with his stick handling ability as well. You know, this is a, he's a, a playmaker through and through. And I think that for having the, the foot speed that he has, the skating ability mixed with just his general, like when he's out there, you could tell that this guy's going balls to the wall. And that's what you really need to see out of prospects too. I mean, my God, look at Alex Nylander, or a handful of others, Mikhail Gregorenko that we've seen over the years where it's these guys who have talent, probably higher talent levels than, than Krebs have has, but they don't have the drive in their game that really will catapult them into being successful. Krebs has that drive. And he also has those intangibles that you look for in a prospect that you think will eventually allow them to have success. And so to Wheeler's point in the article, he mentions Krebs as, as like a potentially like, let's say like a really solid 50 point top six winger, top six center, whatever you want to call it. I'll, I'll take that any day, knowing that we're going to be getting, probably 70 plus points on average from talk each year. And then having another guy who has the talent level that Krebs has and potting an extra 50 to 60 points on top of that. This isn't going to be any Ryan O'Reilly situation. I know TH is obviously tearing it up now, but like this is going to end up being a really nice return for them. And I'm, I'm really glad that we have Peyton Krebs. I'm, I'm excited about him, you know, knowing and having those realistic expectations. I think Krebs is a guy that's going to be a really, really nice piece for this team's top six now and into the future for sure. Yeah, definitely. And not even just him uh, up there as well. The 
other guys in the top five included his friends, uh, Jack Quinn and JJ Paterka. And a lot of the Quinn section of the article focused on he's well, where his own power has um, basically passed all the tests you'd expected. Jack Quinn seems more as like proven a lot of his doubters wrong. And it's hard to say you have doubters when you get drafted top 10, but he had a lot of doubters on social media. I'm not sure how many doubters he had in front offices, but I think he's pretty much proven that he's a, like an electric goal scorer. Uh, someone that has played pretty well uh, with Krebs. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. not not healthy right now, but someone that you'll be, be really excited enough. about. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, I think I think the cool thing about Quinn, especially, is like it's funny to think back because we I feel like bring this up. It's like once a month that we we always reference back to this, but it, at the time of his drafting, it was all about Rossi, Perfetti, and to a lesser extent Lindell. But Rossi and Perfetti were really the two that you and I both had zeroed in on as wanting the Sabres to go after. And when the opportunity became available to have one of them and they didn't end up taking it, it felt like a colossal failure. But the one thing that you and I both hung our hats on that at least softened the blow a little bit. I don't think that... I took my hat off. What? I don't hang my hat on anything pale. I don't, I you know, off. okay. Well, my point <laughs> is the thing that you and I had talked about at that time is that if there's one thing that has plagued this franchise and is the sole main not sole but the main reason why they have not been a playoff team for the past 10 years going on 11 years now is that they didn't have goal scoring and so you're going to draft a guy then who yes has an unusual development curve but god damn it the dude can score and it's like all right well if his game can translate and he's able to then you know where it took him a year to kind of adjust in the OHL, then it takes him a year to adjust in the AHL. And then now if he needs a year to really adjust into the NHL, but he's able to keep adjusting his game and elevating to the level of those who he's playing with, you're going to have a real player there. And I mean, we can't even undersell this. Like, let's not say that this guy has, you know, uh, outperformed his, his draft projection. This guy is leaps and bounds ahead of what we thought we were going to end up having from him. I mean, it, it's not an understatement considering where he was even a year ago at this time to now at this point in February of 2022, that this dude is having one of like, not even a good season, not even a great season, a historically great season in the AHL. It, it's remarkable, his development curve and you know, we'll end up seeing how he ends up doing when he gets to the NHL. We'll see how Perfetti and how Rossi end up doing too, as those guys are also in the early stages of, of getting a taste at NHL action with Winnipeg and Minnesota respectively. But man, oh man, it, it has been unbelievable. And unlike any prospects development, I think I have probably ever seen, at least in recent memory within the Sabres organization for a guy who has just completely like and not even trying to make the like the comparison for the sake of comparing it but in a similar way to like Josh Allen where it's just you know it's this guy who has the intangible he's got his he's got a good skill set but my god he does not in any way have it put together at all and then you have the first year it's a little messy and then after that it's like oh this is really starting to come together now and then by you know the time next year comes around who knows like if we're going to see him take even another step it's scary to think where he can end up being a, a year from now getting get, after getting more of this NHL experience under his belt, assuming he comes back and is able to play some more games this year before he goes back down to make a run at the Calder cup. Um, so yeah, it, kudos to Jack Quinn. Very, very happy to be hopefully be very, very wrong about that pick. Um, but yeah, never a bad thing to draft goal scorers. So all about that. And then, you know, again, rounding out the top five, you have Paterka who, as we had talked about with Kevin last week, a guy that was a fringe first round guy. So pretty much any of those guys who go at the top of the second round, as he did, it's interchangeable that they could have ended up being a first round pick and it wouldn't have been that surprising, but Paterka, again, his development track has been, been excellent so far. You're looking at a guy who is seemingly pretty firmly going to be a nice middle six contributor for contributor for them next year. So I'm really excited to see how his game is going to end up turning out. I mean, already in his stints that he's had in the NHL, he looks like he's belongs. He looks like he's able to keep up with the pace of the game. It's not overwhelming for him. And he plays with an aggressiveness that you really like to see, you know, both on the forecheck and in terms of his offensive creativity, 
it's the same way with all of these young guys. It's you, you don't want to have them come up and be underwhelming and feel like they're not really like attacking the game. Paterka, when the puck is on his stick and even when it's not, the guy attacks the game. He doesn't try and just like fit into the mold or not make mistakes. Like he's not afraid to make a mistake, which is exactly what you want. This is like what we're talking about with Rasmus Dahlin all year too. It's like, I want you to make mistakes if it's, if it's a result of you trying to make a play happen and, from the onset with Paterka, the moment that he came up, you really saw that in his game. And that's what you need to see out of your young guys. So excited to see him. And of course we've talked at length about Levi. I mean, Taylor, I don't know if you want to take a stab at Quinn or Paterka at all, but if you want to talk about Levi a bit too. Yes. So the main thing I'd say about Quinn and Paterka is there are two things we have not gotten out of the high rounds of the draft recently. Uh, One of the many problems Sabres have had is that, Guys like Quinn that they've taken in the top 10 have all fallen in our estimation over their first few years. That includes Ristolainen. That includes Middlestat, Nylander, quite a few guys. And Paterka's another guy they haven't gotten. Uh, a good pick past the first round. How about that? Two yeah. novel concepts. Uh, top 10 pick that doesn't completely uh, shit the bed. And a, well... A top 10 pick that also not even just doesn't completely shit the bed, but like gets significantly better and a good second round pick. Absolutely. How about Levi? Any additional thoughts you'd like to share there? Yes. With Levi, I don't know how this year could have possibly gotten better for him so far. Like he's a seventh round pick two years ago. He does. He is very good at world juniors. Was that 2019, 2020, 20. right before COVID? Yeah. Yeah. Right before COVID. And then he, obviously you're not seeing a lot of him uh, last year during the COVID times, but you get this trade, you have world juniors to hang your hat on, uh, the Sam Sam Reinhardt trade I'm referring to, obviously. And then what happens, he goes to Northeastern and he's like uh, having one of the best seasons of all time. He's having basically a Hobie Baker level year. So he's risen basically from the level of a seventh round pick to like a first or second round pick. He very well could end up being, oddly enough, the first Hobie Baker winner who was a goalie since. Ryan Miller. Our boy, Ryan Miller, 21 years it'll be, right? That was 2001 he won the Hobie Baker? Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. So, unbelievable stuff from him. I mean, you really can't ask for much more than than what he's given you. Um, But yeah, let's talk about some of the other guys on the list here. So let's talk, move through here now into the six to 10 range coming in at number six is the first round draft pick from last year's draft that came back in the Ristolainen trade, Uh, Isaac Rosen. So Rosen has had a little bit of an up and down year this year, mainly with just getting opportunities right now, but he is seemingly starting to fit in here and starting to get more opportunities overseas um Rosen's big thing I mean he's he's a goal scorer like again they're they are going all in on drafting these playmaking goal scoring just like high ceiling type players where yeah you don't know maybe that they could end up flaming out but also at the end of the day given their talent level this could be somebody that ends up being a really solid top six middle six winger for you who's able to you know be a 20 goal guy for example um He's, you know, not a little guy either. I mean, he's 5'11", so he's a little bit small. He definitely has a lot of muscle that he still has to put on. And we're probably looking at a couple of years before he ends up being in Rochester. I'll say maybe he gets another full year next season um, overseas. And then maybe the year after that, he comes over to Rochester. But there's a lot of potential there. Moving on to number seven, we have Ryan Johnson, again, who has been one of the best defensemen in college hockey as he's now in, I believe, his sophomore season at Minnesota. Um, He's 20 years old, left-handed defenseman. The Sabres are seemingly stockpiling them now with the amount that they have in the system, but that's never a bad thing to have, especially guys like Johnson who are play-driving defensemen who, you know, maybe they're not going to put away a ton of points for you, but they're going to be able to push the puck, push the tempo, making sure that you are able to sustain possession in the offensive zone. And also when you're in your own zone, then too, you have a good enough transition game that you're able to get the puck up to your wingers and out of the zone. Um, You know, it's going to be really interesting. It seems like this is probably going to be his last year in college. Again, he's 20 years old right now. So you'd think that 
similar situation to power. Once the season wraps up, they're going to hand him an ELC and hopefully get him in with the Sabres maybe, but if not at the very least, get him down to Rochester again for their run. Um, so I'm excited about Johnson. I think that, you know, he, he's not going to be a, a top four defenseman for us, but if he could be like a really solid offensively inclined third pairing guy for you, I think you take that and run with it, given what you currently have in the system right now. And the other thing too, that Wheeler mentions, which I think is important for us to mention also, given the Sabres stockpile of left-handed defensemen in the system right now, he has experience playing on both sides. So he has some experience playing, on the right side, which who knows, maybe that's where we end up seeing him when he eventually makes it up to the NHL. Coming in at number eight, again, probably the second best goalie in college hockey this year, Eric Portillo, 21 years old, at the University of Michigan on a completely stacked team. Don't get me wrong, but he has been putting up great numbers for them. He's been solid. He was their backup last year, stepped into the role this year, now being their starter and has really been able to help propel them into being one of the top teams in college hockey beyond just the incredible amounts of talent that he is in front of him right now. Number nine, UPL, Uko Pekalukinen. Again, somebody who's injured right now for the Sabres has looked pretty good in his taste uh, in his in his short stints in the NHL this year. Um, but again, you want to see more out of him for a guy that you invested a second round pick in and you're hoping will eventually be a potential starter someday for you. I think that, you know, we'd be all foolish to think that Levi hasn't passed him in terms of the organizational depth chart. Portillo remains to be seen, but UPL, we'll see what we have there. Hopefully he gets back soon and we get a nice little taste of him again down the stretch um, for the Sabres. And if not that, then hopefully he's leading the Amherst to a Calder Cup run. And again, another guy who has taken an untraditional development track, who upon his drafting, nobody was really happy about, but now has been one of the Sabres' best defensemen while he's been up, Matias Samuelson. Taylor, looking at that 6-10 to 10 with Samuelson, UPL, Portillo, Johnson and Rosen, any thoughts you have on any of those guys there? Anybody of that group that you're particularly excited about? Hmm. Well, I think it, it's interesting, the array of guys, because Samuelson and UPL have played this year quite a bit. And UPL even played a game. Last, uh, Samuelson and UPL, play, they played last year as well, even. Uh, and I, it seems that UPL is going to earn a spot in the NHL for next year. That all indications to me point that way, at least. Uh, and Samuelson is currently earning uh, his way into the lineup as well. Other guys, like I can't say I'm excited for Rosine. Uh, I mean, just because it's just so far away. And there's guys coming up on the list, Poltobov and Kisikov, feel like they're a couple years away. It's a good thing to have, but I think excited is the wrong word for that, just because, like, yes, you have those guys. Now you have the Sabres have two picks that will probably be in the mid to late 20s uh, this year. And those are all guys that are depth, you know, waves of depth for the future, which is what you need if you want to mm-hmm. be a good franchise and remain a good franchise. Uh, but uh Portillo is an interesting one to me like does he stay another year in Michigan like obviously he can does he come to Buffalo then after that does he come to Rochester probably Rochester I would assume yeah and and see what you can get out of him in Rochester obviously he's fallen behind Levi and then the fact that UPL actually played well in the NHL this year is easy to think of Portillo as a third guy but who knows UPL has played very little overall so far in, in the NHL. So it's very much still up in the air on, on his end. Well, I think with Portillo, the interesting thing too, is like, obviously, you know, all the incentive he needs is to get an NHL ELC. But what's interesting to think about, especially with him and why I really like the idea of beyond Levi being great and wanting to get him in as soon as possible. I think one of the things that I like about Portillo staying at Michigan another year is that we'll really get to see, how he can carry a team or if he is, has the ability to carry that team, because you're going to more likely than not, you're going to not have Owen power. You won't have Maddie Beniers. You won't have Kent Johnson and possibly also very likely you won't have Luke Hughes either. So you're losing four top end top 10 picks from your team who are, you know, the prime contributors, the main contributors on that team. So Portillo, I mean, if he's able to stick around 
and he does end up sticking around for another year. I mean, obviously Michigan regardless isn't any slouch and I'm sure that they're going to have a good recruiting class and they'll still have guys who are going to be on the roster there. Probably even guys who are going to end up getting drafted this year who are going to end up being on that team, but losing those prime contributors, I'm very curious to see how Portillo will be able to handle that. And if he will be able to still elevate them to being one of the top teams in college hockey without having that level of, of star power in front of him. Yeah. That'll be very interesting to see if he goes back next year. Cause I mean, isn't it just possible that they had not, not quite the same level of star power, but like they just have another incredible team. Very possible. Absolutely. Yeah. But again, we're talking about, they're going to be pretty much guaranteed to be losing arguably their four best players. So True. I'd be very curious to see how he'll be able to weather that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That'll be interesting. Uh, so the rest, I would say, of the guys here, 11 through 20, are guys that we will in all likelihood, well, some of them we might see soon, because I think Laxanen's on there, mm-hmm. but a lot of them are guys, if we see them, it probably won't be till 2023 or 2024. More likely than not, yeah, at this point. So just to go through for anybody who hasn't seen the list, uh, rounding out 11 through 20, in order, we have Alexander Kisikov at 11, 12 is Prokhor Poltapov, 13, Oliver Nadu. 14 is Laxanen, as you just mentioned there. 15 is Lucas Ruzek, who's currently with the Amherst. 16, we have Matteo Constantini, who is with the University of North Dakota right now. 17 is Nikita Novikov, which, again, major bummer with him not being able to play in this year's World Junior Championship as he was slated to take on a pretty prominent role on Russia's blue line. Um, 18, you have Aaron Hewlin, who has dealt with tons of injury, a a couple of back-to-back pretty serious injuries Early on in his career, he's now 20 years old. He's at the University of Minnesota. But Wheeler notes in this article that there are people still who are very high on him. And even when he was drafted, knowing that he had the injury concerns, I remember even reading then that there was a lot of people who were pretty blown away by his natural skill. Um, One of the quotes that he has in here from uh, an anonymous source to somebody who's a real believer in him says his combo of brain and stick skills are elite. And I mean, elite. I've been so impressed with his skating since he's been back to unbelievable to me that he couldn't skate or work out for over a year. And he still looks dynamic or he looks dynamic. Still his ceiling is so high. Obviously we don't know who that source is. And that very well could be somebody from Minnesota or somebody within the Sabres organization, but regardless of that, a guy that I definitely think is very interesting on top of some of those other names too. I mean, the, the four words that we had mentioned there too, um, very, very interesting, but continuing on through the rest of the list, we have Josh Bloom coming in at number 18 or number 19, excuse me. And at number 20, we have Mitesh Pekar, who I think at this point, uh, I don't know. I'm not really sure how I feel about him. I don't really think that uh, it's uh, disappointing considering I feel like people were kind of high on Picard when he had first been drafted, but now his, his stock has definitely fallen. Um, I think he probably maxes out as like a, a, a good fourth liner for you, but either way, this is a pretty good list. So do you have any other thoughts on any of these, uh, these later tier guys in the, in the teens? Hmm. No. Um, well, the one is Laxanen is on there. I don't remember which number. 14 Um, 14 so like a guy like him like the rest of this nhl season the sabers are cooked and they're probably more likely to finish bottom three than they are to finish within like 10 points of the playoffs Mm -hmm. so why not see what he has a little bit you know a couple games of of him playing in all likelihood you're going to have a billion injuries anyway so like i don't know brandon bureau isn't a long-term answer and I, I know it's it's different positions but like let's uh, get, get a look at him or maybe yeah. even our friend linus weiss back like, mm-hmm. see like what what guys like that have absolutely and i think with laxon it's probably even more pressing to do that considering he's 22 years old right now you know when he was drafted in the third round oh you know he we knew it was going to take a while i mean he had skill uh, but he was underdeveloped in terms of just like his body mass. Like he was a little guy and now, you know, he's really grown into it, his game a bit. I just seeing him in Rochester um, when I was at the game last week. I mean, I, he was, he was definitely noticeable. I think that, uh, you know, he's not the kind of guy that's going to end up being a, a top four option for you or anything like that. But considering that he's 22 years old, he's had time to develop. He's had time to cook. Let's see what this guy has. Like, let's see if we have something here. Is this a future, you know, 
sixth defenseman for you or a seventh defenseman that you can have consistently? Is he a guy that's going to be a career NHL or AHLer who's going to be able to just be give you some flexibility there if you have to have any call ups for injuries? Um, but again, or to my point before, is this a guy that you're going to know is potentially a good five or six for you? Like, is that possible? I don't know for sure. I, I like a lot of the aspects of his game that I think could translate well to the NHL. I mean, he's a good skater. He's, he's offensively inclined to an extent. Um, we'll see how he does with, you know, if he's able to keep up with the pace of the NHL game, but you got to see what you have there with him. Um, and I also will just add to, you know, I, I, I'm shocked at Adam even saying this right now, being a Sabres fan and giving our piss poor draft history. But a lot of these forward prospects do interest me a lot. I mean, Kisikov and Poltapov, obviously, you know, those are the, the names we've talked about a decent amount here, being that they finally drafted skill guys from Russia uh, amazingly. But also, too, I mean, on top of that, uh, Constantini, uh, he's very interesting to me. Um, Oliver Nadeau, too. He is somebody that I feel like I see more and more of people being really interested in him and in his stock rising higher and higher. So I'm, I'm interested for these guys. I think that there's a lot of promise here. And I think that even though these guys that we're talking about are probably two, three years away from even getting a taste of the NHL, it gives me hope knowing that you have high end talent coming in right now even this season, but also mainly next year, you're having this high-end talent and these young guys and this injection of youth. But on top of that, it's not like the road ends there. You know, you have guys that are still two or three years out that are going to be really interesting to follow their development track. And, you know, when the time comes around that you are competing in 2023, 2024, and you're looking like you want to be a playoff team by that point, you still are going to have interesting pieces in the system that you're going to be able to look at and say, okay, well, 2025, 2026, maybe, you know, one of these guys are going to be ready. Maybe Kisikov is going to be ready to go by then or Poltapov or Nadu. And then you're going to have more youth coming in. I mean, that was part of what made the 05 to 07 team so exciting is that you had that top end talent of Briere and Afinaganov and Drury and Dumont, but you also had Vanek and Roy and Pominville and Gostad and these young guys coming through the ranks there. So brighter days may very well be ahead. I don't know. I think it's okay for us to get excited about this. And I think we had talked about it a couple of weeks ago, the position that they're in now with having this top ranked prospect system these guys are not what they had in 2013, 2014. Like this is leaps and bounds above what they had there. And, you know, it's easy to say that obviously in hindsight, because at the time in 2013, we were all really excited about these guys, but like, you know, we were getting excited about like JT Comfer, for example, you know, we're talking about like Owen power here and we're talking about Peyton Krebs and Jack Quinn and JJ Paterka, like, these aren't role players. Like these are going to be guys that are going to be serious contributors for you. So I think it's okay for us to be excited about this. Um, you know, obviously it's arbitrary if we're talking about, Oh, they ranked first in this one guy's rankings, regardless of where they ranked, whether they won two, three, whatever, there is a lot to be excited about. And there is hope on the horizon for these guys. It's just a matter of hoping that the guys who are currently going to be coming up through the system in the immediate are going to actually hit, what we're thinking and what we're projecting that they're going to hit. Yeah. I it's, it's a, uh, I guess somewhat exciting to, I guess to have something to look forward to instead of feeling like something is slipping away from you, which is what the right. last couple of years felt like. Absolutely. I mean, at the, at the moment it's not very fun, obviously, but you know, this tweet today from John Vogel, the athletic tweeted that, Currently, the Sabres have Jack Quinn, who's 20, Dylan Cousins, Rasmus Dahlin, Peyton Krebs, and Matias Samuelson are 21, and Henry Okiharu and UPL are all 22. And those are all NHL guys. I mean, UPL, Peyton Krebs, Samuelson are all listed as prospects, I believe. But, like, they're really with the team now. So, it's in a, I guess, an interesting uh, future we, we hopefully have, and hopefully it is better than seven years ago. God damn it, I hope so. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, uh, the Sabres have Columbus on Thursday. They're at Columbus and then they're hosting Montreal on, or did I have this backwards? They're, they're hosting Columbus and they'll be at Montreal on Sunday mm-hmm. afternoon. So Montreal fired their coach, Dominic Ducharme, who they 
hired last year as like an interim and then ex Stanley went to the Stanley cup and had to bring him back. Um, but, so Kevin Weeks just reported that they're hiring Marty San Louis. What? As their head coach? Who is coaching youth hockey at the moment. Really? Wow. I did not see that. That is crazy. That's gotta say that's a bizarre choice, but best of luck, Montreal. Yeah, that is a, Wow. I don't really know what to make of that. I mean, obviously St. Louis was great, but what? What? Yeah. Quite a choice. Quite a choice from our friends up there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Uh, I think Montreal, they were the worst, one of the worst teams ever make a cup. And honestly, I said, there's no way they have a worse follow-up season than the North stars back in the early nineties. But like, God, they kind of are. Boy, were you wrong. <laughs> yeah, they seem to be on pace for about 40 points this year. Uh, and Oof. it doesn't it's not really clear where they should be headed. At. I guess they'll have a first overall pick, second overall pick, third overall pick, somewhere in that range to pair with Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. Suzuki. But like, ugh, yeah, but they have a lot that. of like mid-tier guys, too, though, who like, I mean, to Foley, they just gave a contract to you have Gallagher there. Um, you just traded for Christian Dvorak. Yeah, you did do that. You they did all those have things. Their first, actually, didn't they trade their first? Oh, it's, it's probably protected, I'm assuming. Well, that's a good question. I mean, they better have their first. <laughs> good God. Because I, I don't think Arizona has it, right? Is that who you think would have it? Yeah. Oh, let's see. Oh, boy. Because, uh, if they don't, if God, if they don't have their own first, I mean, why would you even think about protecting it? Yeah, that's rough. Oh that no, a, that's a San Jose Ottawa situation all over again. Oh no, they don't. Oh, it's top ten protected. That's what I was gonna. I figured as much. Okay, so they have it. Hey, but again though, what if they bottom out in their bed next year too in twenty twenty three? That's. I mean, Arizona they're not gonna be good be in twenty twenty three. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, Montreal just officially announced that they've named San Luis an interim coach. Interim? Yeah. Interesting. Good Lord. What a weird run to the cup. Yeah, very, very strange. Very, very, very strange. Yeah, unbelievable. So that's that's who the Sabres have coming up. <laughs> uh, do you have any other any thoughts on sports? Hmm. This is our last uh, episode before the Super Bowl. Let's end it with our predictions. Who you got? Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to record on Sunday, so we could just record before the game, and then we could have our predictions after. But right now, I have the Rams. Oh, that's fair. I also have the Rams, too. For my squares, I have seven for the Rams and eight for the Bengals. So I'm hoping for like a 27-18 Rams win or 28-27 Bengals. Feels like the Bengals. I'm for whoever's going to win me money. Yeah, the the Bengals would probably have to win because they're going to have to get 28 or 38. Eight, eight or 18 is a strange one. Not likely to get that. Unfortunately. But either way, like I, I think we said this recently too, I am at least excited about the fact that this is like a Super Bowl that I feel like I can be comfortably rooting for either team. Like I don't really have a rooting interest. And it's not even like I don't care about one of the teams. Like I would be happy for, you know, Sean McVay and Matt Stafford and, and, you know, Aaron Donald's amazing. Jalen Ramsey's great. Like they're a really great team. And I also think that it would be cool for a team that actually did go all out and just like sell their picks and everything to try and win. Now that actually working out would be good for the league. Um, but at the same time, I mean, how can you not like Joe Burrow and Jamar chase and that and T Higgins and their, their team over there in Cincinnati. So Either way, I'm going to, I do, if I had to pick one or the other, though, I'm definitely with you. I want the Rams, though. But either way, I think there's good storylines, regardless of who wins. So what do you think we're going to have in our DraftKings ad on Sunday? Mm. Probably hockey, maybe. Maybe they go back to hockey, and then we'll, as we get closer, we'll get college uh, basketball. That's probably right, I assume. Maybe it's gonna be thrown in, like you said, too. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a any idea what the UFC schedule is like, but no, I assume no. we'll have some, at least some UFC in there at some point. And then we'll, yeah, we'll probably have hockey again. And then before the playoffs, we'll have NBA and NHL, but there will 
who knows if we'll ever have baseball opening day at Reed's. Oh God, what a mess that's going to be. Well, is already, and we'll probably end up continuing to be. Yeah, this is, uh, with, uh, the day this is coming out, uh, the opening day is scheduled for seven weeks from Thursday. Oh, you know what? Actually, I do have one other sports thought I'd like to share. Yes. I'm really, really excited for future Boston Celtic Damian Lillard to join the team. It's going to be really great when that happens. What are you giving up to get Damian Lillard? <laughs> now that I just wanted to really make you mad by saying that. But if they were going to mm. do it, I mean, you're talking about a lot of firsts and I don't really want to part with Jalen Brown but you would probably have to part with Jalen Brown. It's tough, man. We're talking I mean, about Dame. Like, I don't think Portland's trying to trade him right away, though. I think it'll be an off-season thing. I don't no, think. I, th- I think this off-season they're trying to weaponize their cap space. I think he's going to end up. They have a lot of it. He'll end up forcing their hand and making them move him in the off-season. I mean, they just traded McCollum. Like, what? What are they doing? Well, that they're trying to sign a bunch of people. I know, but like, do you really think that that? gonna happen though uh i don't know i guess that kind of leaves them with the option of they could trade him if it doesn't work out who's it who's an fa this upcoming off season Ooh, let me see the other thing i guess obviously is potential for trade but they didn't really get enough back asset wise from the uh, trades that they did make no. to have like some kind of stockpile uh nba free agents 2022 it's a. Uh, I guess it'll be interesting i mean well, hold on. This is going to be right. James Harden's not a free agent. Yeah. Harden is a free agent? I think his contract's up, isn't it? I thought he had another... Oh, he's a player option. Mm-hmm. And it seems okay, like so... he wants to move. Okay, yeah, that makes sense then. John Wall's a free agent. I mean, he plays point guard too, so that's not really relevant. Westbrook is not taking his player option, I bet. I bet he is uh, opting in to that $47 million. Yeah. Cause I don't think he'd get 4.7 million free agency at this point. Uh, Bradley Beal has a player option to be a free agent. So that's, we'll see what happens with that. Maybe he ends up in Boston actually. Mm. And then Kyrie. And then after that, it's like, Oh, Zach Levine. I don't know if he's going to sign back in Chicago. The rest of that is not great. Gary Harris. doesn't matter. You guys have DeMar, you have MVP DeMar DeRozan over there right now. So you're fine. You can just roll him out by himself. Yeah. By himself. Yep. Him and him and Lonzo. Now, unfortunately our friend Lonzo was hurt, but yeah, I, I guess, I don't know. I guess eventually he probably will get traded. I just, I don't know if Austin's a team to make the move. Maybe they are. They got to do something. I mean, the thing with them that's just so frustrating is like you now have like three really solid pieces in Tatum, Brown, and Williams, but they just have not done anything to put them over the top. I mean, they had made three out of the the Eastern Conference Finals in three out of four years, and they really did not. I mean, I guess you could say the Irving trade was a big, was definitely a big move, but like it just feels like they've been in position to win a title or at the very least be at the top of the East. And they just don't do anything or make the move that would like put them over the top and like go out and get like a star player, which is what they need to do. I think that they're not, they're not going to win a championship until they end eventually do that. They tried to do it with Davis kind of, but it didn't end up happening. And they, they just need somebody to pair with, I mean, I guess two of the three of those guys in reality, if we're talking about through a trade, but something's going to have to give for them. Like they, they just can't keep rolling with this core. They're not deep enough to rely on that. So. Yeah, I guess so. Interesting year. I think this is the first time. I don't they're know. They're killing it now though. They're yeah. They're, I think they're like the fourth rank or like the first or actually, no, they're in the top five in point differential, I think over the past like month, but then for the entire season, they're like a top five defensive team too. So they, the East is interesting. I think the East is de- for the first time, and I can ever remember the East is deeper than the West. It's just an interesting situation to be in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the East has been terrible notoriously throughout our lives. Now the the West is more top heavy. They have definitely the two best teams in the NBA in Phoenix and Golden State. The East has like twelve ish teams that are like oh you know pretty good. Like the Nets are in free fall, but like. 
at some point you could have all three of those guys together again. Who knows? You have Miami, who was, was finalist two years ago. Milwaukee, the reigning champions. Two teams that really came on this year so far, Chicago and Cleveland. Philadelphia was the one seed last year. They have maybe the MVP on their team. Toronto uh, is coming on just as strong as Boston. Boston's in seventh. And then, like, the Nets. Like, the Nets are the eighth seed right now with all the talent they have. Charlotte, they have a lot of young talent. Atlanta was in the conference finals last year. And then after that, so now that's when it falls off. When I say 12 teams, the Wizards no longer have Bradley Beal for the rest of the season. So mm-hmm. see it to them. They're not making the playoffs. And the Knicks, who knows what's going on with those guys? So maybe it's just 10. Still, yeah. solid 1 to 10. Where it is in the West, your 10 seed right now is New Orleans, who's 22 and 32. Wow. Should be interesting to see coming down the stretch. Do you have any uh, last thoughts that you'd like to share before we sign off for today? Uh, no. Good. Good. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thank you for tuning into this episode of straight up Sabres presented by the hockey podcast network and the charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, streaming platforms, whatever one you're using right now to listen to us and also on social media. Also make sure you're doing the same for us. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram straight up Sabres and whatever platform you are currently listening to this podcast on right now, make sure you are subscribed and or following us. Also make sure you're using that promo code THPN at track at checkout for DraftKings. but we will be back with a brand new episode. First thing on Monday, have a great rest of your week, a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.